Well, good morning, church. How are we doing today? It's good to be in God's house. Amen. Turn around, look at your neighbor, say it's good to be in God's house. There you go. That's right. Come on. We are so blessed in this place. I'll tell you what, uh, some of you may not know this, but we are without a worship pastor. But I'm telling you, didn't our team do good this morning and last week? I could, I am so proud of these guys. I'm telling you, Miss Sandy, you're doing a wonderful job leading. I know it's all about the Lord. She's so humble, but uh, you're doing a great job. And I thank God for what you guys are doing. You took us to worship this morning, and that's what it's all about. Amen? I'm going to ask you to stand up with me this morning. We're going to read a passage of Scripture that's one of my favorite in the whole entire Bible. A couple of weeks ago, I read a little bit of this, but today we're going to read 21 verses. And I want you to read along with me. It's out of Romans chapter 12, and here's what it says. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. That's good, isn't it? For I say through the grace given to me, everyone who is among you not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. For we, as one many members in one body, but all the members do not have the same function. So we being many are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, let us use them. If it's prophecy, Let us prophesy in proportion to our faith or ministry. Let us use it in in our ministering. He who teaches in teaching. He who exhorts in in exhortation. He who gives with liberality. He who leads with diligence. He who shows mercy with cheerfulness. Let love be without hypocrisy. Arbor what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be kindly affectioned to one another. You would get in this with brotherly love. In honor, giving preference to one another, not lagging in diligence, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord, rejoicing in hope. And this one here, oh, this one works on me. Patient in tribulation, continuing, check this out, continuing steadfastly in prayer, distributing to the needs of the saints and given to hospitality. Here we go, guys. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Be of the same mind toward one another. Do not set your mind on high things, but associate with the humble. Do not be wise in your own opinion. Repay no one evil for evil. Have regard for good things in the sight of all men. Here we go. Check this one out. If it is possible, as much as it depends on you, Live peaceably with all men. Beloved, do not avenge yourselves, but rather give place to wrath. For it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. Therefore, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him a drink. For in so doing, you will heap coals of fire on his head. And do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Pray with me. Father, we've read your word today spoken to our hearts, and I pray, God, as we are in this part of the service, that you would use me, Lord, that you would speak through me, and that, um, God, that we would seek your will, and we would follow what it is that you want us to do as individuals in this church, and as your kingdom work is done here on this place. 
And so we pray it all in Jesus' name and all of God's people together said, amen. You may be seated. We start a new series today, and it's called Why We Need Each Other. Last month, I talked to you a little bit. We did four uh, weeks, and we, we set our goals, and we talked about needing each other. But today, I want to talk to you about why we need each other. We need each other, and we're going to look into the why. I think it's because we're better together. I think that's why we need each other, because we're better together. As I studied this scripture as to why we need each other, it occurred to me that this whole concept goes against everything we're taught in culture, in our world. I don't need anybody. I can do this all on my own, right? Right? But you know what? God's ways are almost always different than mine. Anybody here relate to that? In our world, we want to be independent, don't we? We want to do it our way. In fact, we have songs written, I did it my way. There's another one, I gotta be me, right? I mean, we write songs about this independence and this individuality. Some of us have even brought the idea that I don't need anybody to tell me what it's all about. You ever share your testimony with somebody and they just shake their head at you and go, ah, I don't know. I don't need you to tell me what it's all about. Anybody, yeah? yeah? I've had that a, a few times, particularly in the last couple months. Sound familiar that we don't need anybody to tell us what, us to, do, what to do? Think about the first story in the Bible. What were their names? Adam and Eve. They, tried, they thought they could do it on their own too, didn't they? Pretty much. Yeah, we don't need to. We can handle this. We can do it. But, you know, doing it alone, if you pay attention to that, even the Lone Ranger had Tonto. I got Jeff. That's two weeks in a row I picked on Jeff. It's going to come down hard on me one, soon. But, you know, I've been waiting seven years for this opportunity, right? Have you ever noticed, though, that, that we do need each other? We do need each other. And we're better when we're together, when we're working together. Many feel that they have the key to happiness, though. It's, it's in our independence. Remember, maybe as a young person, I remember thinking, you know, financially, if I can just become financially independent, I'll be happy. Uh, if I be relationally independent, I'll be happy. But you know what? That doesn't bring happiness. If I don't let anybody get too close to me, I'll be happy. That was me when I was about 20 years old. It was a part of my life. I, I, was, I was really arrogant like that. But God says the key to happiness is not independence, but it's interdependence. You see, we are all connected whether we want to admit it or not. It is a human trait to overestimate what we can do as individuals and underestimate what we can do as a group. I said it before, we need each other. We do. We need each other. Romans 12, what we just read, talks about this body of Christ and how that we're all different and that we belong to each other. What? Think about that. That involves a commitment, doesn't it? Do you honestly think that we can fulfill God's purpose in our lives by ourselves? Think about that for just a minute. We need each other. We have to do it in relationship with other people. The Bible teaches this concept. I worked in corporate America for a lot of years, and I remember every company that I worked for, we always heard the terms teamwork. You got a great team, Kent. We got to work as a team. There's no I in team. Remember that, those of you that play sports? Teamwork. But you know what? It does take teamwork, and it's a team concept. One of my favorite movies in the whole world is Hoosiers. Everybody, anybody know? 
Remember how many times you got to pass the ball? It was four. And the whole concept of that was teamwork, wasn't it? It's a great illustration of what we have to do. And in the church, we too have to use teamwork. How does that work? And if you notice in Mark's gospel, the sixth chapter, Jesus didn't send everybody out individually when they first started. How did he do it? Two by two. Interesting, isn't it? That they were sent out as pairs. We just read to be transformed in our minds and let love be without hypocrisy. Why do relationships go bad? Why do relationships go bad in the church? James 4 says, what causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? See, in this relationship and in this concept of being better together, we have to grow together, don't we? And we have to learn to love each other. And that's difficult sometimes. How do we turn a bad relationship into a good one? I believe God uses other people in our lives to teach us and to share with us and walk with us so we can learn to do his will. We need other people in our lives. And I believe we need other people in our lives for other reasons, for several reasons. And I'm going to share a few of those with you. But we are better together, and it takes a little bit of work. And it takes God in our lives, molding us, conforming us. Because I got this big epiphany for you. Guess what? We're all different, and some of us don't get along with others as well sometimes. Yeah, well, I mean, and the fact of the matter is because we're wired differently, aren't we? But as Christian people, that's what God created us to be that way. And he created us to work together. The whole concept of this is what the Bible teaches from the front to the end. People are in relationships together, and we get it done together. We have unity as believers. And quarrels come about when we want it our way sometimes. We are to have unity as believers and not just live to please ourselves. Let's look at some of the reasons why we need to grow together. Number one, I believe that I need others to walk with me. I need others to walk with me. I need you to help me grow spiritually. Oh, no, but you're the pastor. Yeah, but you know what? I need you, and hopefully I can help you, and you can help me, and we can grow together. There have been times in the last seven or eight years as I was the worship pastor that people would come to me and would say things to me to help me, and gave me insight. I would have never seen that had you not done that. Does that make sense? Have you ever had somebody do that in your life? Come to you and tell you something and walk along beside you? Kind of hurts sometimes, doesn't it? But it's for your own good and our own good. Life is a walk, as it's illustrated in the Bible. We're walking, and I want to walk with you, and you need to walk with me as we're in this thing together. And life can be tough, and we can be better together as a church. Think about it this way. I'm not where I used to be, but I'm not where I'm going to be. Amen? The Bible refers to this thing as a walk. We're on a journey. You know, I I believe that we were never meant to walk this thing alone. So many times you see people who have issues and things that are going on, and I talk to people through the week, and and a lot of times, you know what what the problem is? Lonely. I feel so all alone, Kent. It's like nobody cares. Maybe you're here today and you have that in your life, or you're feeling in your life. I want to tell you something. There's somebody that cares, and his name is Jesus. And his followers care. His followers care. 
because he cared for them, they love others. Somebody say amen. Y'all are awful quiet this morning. I don't know what's going on out there. You were never meant to walk it alone. Loneliness is a, is a tough thing. We were, we were meant to be together. Now, I'm not talking about necessarily being married, okay? Because I know a lot of married people, not a lot, but I know some married people who are lonely. I know some single people who are lonely. This is talking about a community relationship. When God's talking about being uh, together, he's talking about us being in a community And there's some reasons for community. There was the reasons why God set this up. Some reasons why he established the church. It's safer to walk through life with others. I remember we were in uh, uh, New Orleans on a mission trip. And we all went out one night after it was over. And I was thinking, boy, on the way back because it was really late. And I'm thinking, man, I'd hate to be walking through here by myself. Luckily, I had Steve Cannon and Laura Cannon with me. I felt really comfortable. You know, she had that hat on. I knew we were safe. When you're walking with others, there's, there's strength in numbers, isn't there? Isn't there strength and in, in encouragement with others? It's supportive, and it keeps us from giving up. You know, uh, a great illustration of that is, have you ever seen a flock of geese flying? You guys know what I'm talking about? Canadian geese when they fly? I have two daughters, for those of you that don't know me, and I talk about my family too much probably, but I'm grateful. One time, my oldest daughter was little, and we were in the car, and we were driving along, and I was a young father, young dad. And the flock of geese went by as we were driving. She said, Daddy, look, look, look at those geese. They're, they're forming a, a V. What's up with that? I don't know anything about geese. But being a good father, I said, well, honey, that lead, that lead goose is what I called it. I said, that lead goose, her name is Victoria, and they're just honoring her with a V. <laughs> you guys know what I'm talking about, right? And Diane said, you are nuts. You are just, you're sick. You're crazy. So I looked that up, and you know what I found out? When they fly like that, it breaks the wind like this where it cuts it up, and it gives them a draft, and it's lifting them. You know, that's kind of how it goes when we walk together, doesn't it? In unity. We're supposed to encourage one another. We are better together than we are divided. That's why Satan does everything he can to seek and destroy us, to devour us, to tear us apart, to get us hung up over little things that really don't matter in the church. I've seen it over and over again, haven't you? As we're preparing for going forward for the fall, there's nothing going on, so don't panic. There's nothing going on. I'm trying to preach to us and share with you that we are to be unified as we go forward, okay? And that's why I'm talking about we're better together. We're going to be better together as God uses us as we go forward. Does that mean I'm going to get everything I want? Does that mean you're going to get everything you want your way? Me either. But we, you know what? We come together. And we work together to seek God's will. Amen? It's a journey. And we're safer when we walk together. It's also smarter to walk with other people. Proverbs 28, 26 says, only fools trust in what they think alone. Here's a clue. I'm not the only one thinking this, and nobody else agrees with me. Something might be wrong. Does that ever occur to you? Well, it took me a while to get that one, because I thought I was right about everything. My wife is quick to point that out now. And it's good to have 
Christian brothers and sisters to discuss and to work through things with, you know. In the Baptist church, which is what we are, we believe in what is called the autonomy of the church, which means that the church makes the decisions as a group of people. It's called a theodemocracy. You know what that means? A God-centered decision-making of democracy. What a great concept. Amen, Kent. That's a good one. But here's the problem. Sometimes as individuals, we have our agendas, don't we? Come on. Sometimes we want what we want. I mean, I've seen churches split over the color of paint in a wall. Really? You're kidding me. We have people in the world that are starving for our message. We as Christians are better together. We need each other to walk together. It helps us to be smarter to do that. I remember when I first met Diane, I went over to her house. Diane's my wife, by the way, for those of you that don't know me. I know her, and we've been married. It'll be 39 years coming up in December, and she gets, deserves one of them big margarine crowns when we get to heaven, I'm telling you. The first time I went over to her house, well, first let me explain this to you. I'm an only child. My mother couldn't have any more children after I was born, um, and so I'm, I'm it. So I grew up as an only child, and I don't apologize for that, but I see some of you shaking your head like, yeah, right, okay. But anyway, I go over to Diane's house. We were dating, and there were nine kids in the house. Woof. I sat down at the table the first time to eat, and it was like every man for himself. I mean, they were getting it. They were going after it. It was so loud, you couldn't even hear. I was just sitting there going like this, and and I said to her, I said, that's not normal. She said, yes, it is. I took her to my house. So we did, you know, like you did the the Christmas Eve at her house and Christmas Day at my house. We went to my house. It was my mom, my dad, and me. You know, every plate, every fork hitting the plate. You know, it was very quiet. She, we got in the car and she said, well, that's not normal. <laughs> but what I've learned, and what my point of this is this, over the years I've learned that I wasn't right about everything and neither was she. But somewhere in the middle of all of that, there is normal. And we were able to, and now I love to go over there, man. I get right in there with them. I fight over the pork chops just like they were doing. I find a place at the table. And she's learned to adapt to the quietness of our house as well. She still tells me it's not normal. But we work together is what I'm trying to say. And and as we work together, we learn from each other. You know, over the years, like I said, I've had people, even here, I've had people here come to me and say, Kent, you know, you might want to think about this. And you know what? If it's done in the right spirit, if it's done in the right attitude when somebody's suggesting something to you, and even when I do it, Think about how we say things sometimes when we're trying to to help another brother or sister, even a member of our family. How do we say it sometimes? Diane always says to me, it's not what you say, it's how you say it sometimes. It's the truth, isn't it? It's the tone that it comes out. But together we're better. And we need each other because you can give input. I was in a meeting the other night, and we talked, and we shared, and we had a diverse group of people, didn't we? It was beautiful, though, those of you that were in that meeting. I'm looking at you. You know what I'm talking about. And we resolved what we were trying to accomplish there. And we did it in a Christian manner. How beautiful is that? And that is the church. God gives you gifts, like that passage of Scripture says. And we need your gifts in this place. Because we're smarter together, it makes us better together. No one person in this group has, it all, has all the answers. I don't know. He set it up that way. 
But I believe that we are better together and that community is, is God's answer to this. You were created to be in a community. Did you know that? Human beings were created to be in a community. We weren't created, like I said, to be alone. This isn't a community right here, what we're doing this morning. This is a gathering. Think about it. Community happens out there when you walk out because that's where you're doing life together. You were created to be in a community. Are you plugged into a community? The answer to loneliness is community. The Bible says I've got to have other people in my life. We need other people in our lives to grow. And life is about relationships. Think about it this way. God is love, and he wants me to learn love and love others. That's a little tough sometimes, and it's hard to love people when they don't see it the way you do. But that's what the scripture's talking about that we read, to be patient. 1 Corinthians 14 says, when you gather together, each one of you is prepared with something useful for all, like sing a hymn, teach a lesson, tell a story, lead a prayer, and insight. Let me read that again. This is so good. 1 Corinthians 14, this is what it says about community. When you gather together, each one of you is prepared with something. Can you imagine if you walked into your Sunday school class, some of you teachers, and said, here's what we're going to do today. I want one of you to sing. I want one of you to say a prayer. I want one of you to share. Everybody in here is going to talk. (gasps) But that's the way they did it in the New Testament. They didn't go in and sit, you know, in in, in a group of people and have one person just stand there and, and, and go on for hours and ever forever. It was about a community. It goes on to say here in this passage, lead a prayer, provide an insight, take your turn with uh, no one person taking over. What? Here's the rest of that verse. That's the way that you learn from each other. Anybody here ever learn something from sitting in church? Somebody speaks to you? Anybody ever learn anything out there? You're standing out there maybe at the coffee place and you're talking to somebody and somebody speaks a word of truth to you and you're like, whoo, that's what I needed to hear today. Yeah? Raise your hand if you've done that. Absolutely. That's community. That's what we do. We need each other. The second reason I think that we're better is because I need others to work with me. Do you know in the first century it was a Jewish custom to travel in pairs, especially at night. The thought was that working together can strengthen and encourage when one becomes distressed. (laughs) Also, one might take the glory for himself, or there could be a loss of love for the work if we do it alone. Did you catch that? The thought of working together so it strengthens each other? Some of us say, oh, I just want to do it myself. That way I don't have to put up with somebody else. Come on. This is scripture. Can't make this stuff up, right? What he's talking about, gathering together, sharing together, loving each other. This cut me to the core, guys. This cut me to the core when I read this. Because you know what? I'm kind of one of those people. I'm going to confess to you today. I'm kind of one of those people. I just soon do it myself sometimes. But God wants us to work together because we're better together. We need each other. We're better together. You know, when you do these things by yourself, someone might take the glory for himself. (laughs) Never happened. Really? 
That's why they did it in pairs. Or there could be a loss of love for the work if we do it alone. I always like that. Somebody volunteers to do something, but I'm going to do it by myself. And then when they do it, and then it doesn't get, you know, they can't get any help, and they get frustrated, what do they do? I, I quit. Hello. <laughs> it's true. We need each other. We're better together. We've worked together. Amen? Amen. Life on earth is practice for eternity, and God made us to do works together, which he planned in advance for our lives, according to Ephesians 2. As I said before a few weeks ago, we're all ministers. Every one of you has a ministry. Somebody said, come up to me afterwards and said, man, you called me a minister. I don't don't know about that. I said, you're a believer, right? Yeah. I said, you're a minister. God calls us to that. It doesn't mean you're in vocation, but it means you have a, a thing to share in your heart. Ecclesiastes 4, talking about this two working together, it says, two people are better than one because they get more done by working together. Think about it. How many times in the Bible, in the New Testament, do you see where people were walking together, doing things together? Scripture says Peter and John, Paul and Barnabas, those stories. You ever think about about this? This is a good analogy of working together. Snowflakes. Snowflakes fall from the sky. There's nothing prettier when I don't have to go anywhere than a beautiful snow, right? Especially out in the country. My mother's farm, I love to sit in the back of a kitchen and look out the window and watch the snow fall on the farm. I'm told that every snowflake is a different shape. Is that, have you guys heard that? Right? Kind of, here's an analogy. Human beings are like that as well. We're all different. Everybody's different, right? But think about this. You get enough snowflakes and you get the situation right and it can shut I-75 down. Oh, yeah. Together, we can do great things as a church. Together. Just like snowflakes, we can be effective. The third point of us being better together is I need others to watch out for me. Philippians 2.4 says, look out for one another's interests and not your own. Really. But I want to talk about what I want. I want it my way. (laughs) That's what we do as humans. We're just wired that way. But the scripture says to be transformed by the renewing of our minds, right? And I got to tell you, I'm not the best at this. Somebody comes up to me and I have an idea and they tell me something and I'm like, but no, I want to do it my way. And my way isn't always the best. That's why I need other people together to work with me and to watch out for me. It's not about us, contrary to what our culture says. So we need to be together, Hebrews 13.1 says, keep being concerned about each other as the Lord's followers should. I saw somebody come in this place today, I hadn't seen them in a while, and tears were shed. Schedules and seasons in life, things happen. They do. But I'm going to tell you something. It's great when somebody's watching out for you, isn't it? When somebody cares for you, when somebody's praying for you. Every once in a while, I get a little card in the mail. Ken, I just want you to know I'm praying for you. means a lot, doesn't it? You go to your mailbox at the house, you're going through something. You open a letter up and it says, I want you to know I'm praying for you every day. Wow, means a lot. We're supposed to be concerned about each other as a family. We are family. I'm looking to buy a house, as you guys know, and matter of fact, I 
looks like it's going to maybe happen this next week. And in some of the neighborhoods that I looked at houses, they had these signs up that said, Neighborhood Watch. What does that mean? It means they're watching out for each other, doesn't it? And you know what? As Christians, that's what we're supposed to do. You know, I, uh, I think about it. Every squabble, every disagreement, everything that I've ever seen negative happen in the church, every split that I've ever seen in the church, usually happens because somebody didn't get their way. Think about that for just a minute. Think about that. I mean, seriously. But Scripture says here that we're to keep being concerned about each other as the Lord's followers should. Philippians says we're supposed to look out for one each other's interests, not our own. We're supposed to love each other, as Romans says. We're supposed to be transformed in our minds to help each other. Doesn't mean we're always supposed to agree, but we're supposed to love. I need you in my life to help me, to keep me on track. You see me getting close to the edge? I need you to be a guardrail, as Andy Stanley says to help, to give me the truth, speak the truth, and then I need to be able to accept the truth. Amen? It will make us better together as a church. Ecclesiastes 4 verse 10 says, If one person falls, another can reach out and help him, but people who are alone when they fall are in real trouble. We all have blind spots, don't we? When me and Diane got married, I had hair, believe it or not. And I have a cowlick right back here on the back of my head. I don't have it today, but back when we first got married, and every time I'd get ready to go to church, I would say, you need to comb that thing down. I love that woman. But it was a blind spot. I couldn't see it behind me like that, right? And in life, it's like that. There are things that we do in our lives that we don't see. And thank God somebody loves us enough to come up to us and very gently and kindly help us and speak it, speak truth into our lives because we need each other. We need each other to watch out for us. And then finally, the last thing is we need others to witness to us. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. That's a translation of, of the scripture in, um, in the Gospels where Jesus said, by this will they know that you are my disciples because you love each other. Now listen to me. This is important right here. Loving is not always liking. Love, this word love that he's talking about is agape. You know what that means? Agape is, a, there's, there's multiple words in the New Testament for love. This word is agape, which means I love you without any expectations back. It means I wish and I will for you what's best. That doesn't mean that I necessarily have to like what you do or you like what I do, but I do have to love you. We're to love one another unconditionally, aren't we? And sometimes that love requires us to say no. Sometimes it requires us to say yes. And that's why we need to walk with the Lord so we know what to do. Because I know me. I know what I will do. Sometimes I don't make the right call. But with the help of people around me, people surrounding me that love me, that are living life with me, they help me and they encourage me. I need you to witness to me. Think about it. God's love. Wouldn't it seem reasonable that if it's true, that as his children we should love if God is love? Doesn't that seem reasonable? I mean, you have the traits of your earthly parents. We should have the traits of our heavenly father. If God is love, we should enhance love. 
and we should share love. And here's the other side of that. Truthfully, when you recognize and I recognize what God has done in our lives as individuals, here's where I come to on that. I can, realize, I can never forgive another person more than God has forgiven me for what I've done. Wow. That's good news right there, isn't it? It makes it a little harder to have an edge on you when somebody gets in your way. Sometimes as church folks, when people are down, we turn them down. And I think, that's, uh, I think that's something we need to look at. We need to love like Jesus did. And it's not always easy. Did you realize that t- six out of ten commandments are relational type, relationship-oriented commandments? Six out of ten of them. You think relationships aren't important in the Bible? You think relationships aren't important to God? You think it's not important that we shouldn't work on those kind of things? Because, you see, I believe that if we commit to one another with a common goal... We're better together. We're better together than we are as individuals. I hate to say this, but we're all like snowflakes. We are. We're all different. But one little fragile snowflake, but you put that thing together, man, and it can be, it can be fierce, can't it? It can be fierce. And Jesus is the thing that brings us together. We are better together, even in our differences. The goal of Burlington Baptist Church is to reach the world for Christ. And it's going to take each and every one of us. You know, we had those cards we filled out. Over 30-some people signed up to be a part of something in this church. Maybe you're standing here today or sitting here today, and you're standing on the fringes is what I'm trying to say. And God's speaking to you, saying, you know what? I need to step up. I need to step it up. I need to get involved. Because I believe that I'll be a better person if I'm working together with Christian people. I want to encourage you to do that. Maybe you're here sitting today and you're going, you know what, I've never committed my life to Christ. I want to encourage you to do that. Maybe you're sitting here today and say, you know what, I believe Jesus. He changed my life, but I've never been baptized. Today's the day maybe you need to do that. And then finally, maybe you're here today and you just want to come forward and pray. I love talking to the Lord. You know, in my life over the last eight years, and I don't say this piously, I'm telling you this because I want you to try it. The conversations with Jesus, and I'm, I, have, I have them on my knees here sometimes, but a lot of them are just driving along in the car. Maybe you just need to pray today. Maybe you need somebody to pray with you. We're not here to judge you. We're here to pray with you and encourage you because trust me, I can't cast the first stone. I can promise you that. Whatever the need is, we have communion on both sides. Maybe you're here and you'd like to take the Lord's Supper. We encourage you to do that. That's why we bring it out. In fact, I want to encourage you to do that. I love taking the Lord's Supper like we did last week and every week. So we're going to enter a time of invitation. I'm going to ask you to pray with me. Father God, we come to this point in our service. We thank you, Lord, that we are better together. Thank you for the words that you've given us to share that message today, Lord. Mend our hearts, Lord, that are broken. Help those that are lonely today. Lord, speak to us. And God, help us, as your Holy Spirit has spoken to me this week, to be more attentive, to listen, to walk along beside people, not so quick to speak. Lord, bless this time in our service as we've asked. We give you glory and honor for it all. And all the people together said, amen. This is your time as we sing.